earlier this spring, Amber and I were sitting at our house. We both work from home. And so our offices are like right next to our bedroom, right next to the TV. Some days, honestly, we never leave. And so it's about nine o'clock at night and we're both typing away on our computers. And we look over at each other and we're like, seriously, it is nine o'clock at night. Can we be done now? We sound like your four-year-old. He's like, I'm done, mom. Can I be done? I'm, I don't want any more food. We're like, can we be done now? We're like, yeah, this is crazy. Like it's just gotten out of hand. And so as we talked over the next couple of days, what we realized was that our schedules has gotten just completely out of whack. They were way too busy. We were trying to cram too many things into too small a window throughout the day and throughout the week. And so we made a decision. We said, all right, we are going to change things. We are going to start working differently. We are going to carve out more time for rest. We are going to make room in our schedules so we can breathe and relax a little bit. A few weeks later, a church pastor here in Canada that I know and respect a lot, he started an online course for pastors where he teaches principles of time management. He talks about how to like work from your natural energy rhythms throughout the day, how to make sure you have rest going on. It was like a godsend, honestly. I was so excited to see this course. And the best part of all of it was that it's on demand online. And so it's a 10-session course. We could take it whenever we wanted to. I was like, Amber, we've got to do this. The only hiccup was it was 200 bucks a person. It's not cheap, okay? Because I really respect this guy and because it was a pressure point that we needed relieved in our lives, we said, okay, let's go ahead and pay the fee, the registration, and uh, we'll start taking the class. And I have to tell you guys, this course material is life-changing, I think. Because four months after I paid the registration fee, we still have not found time to start taking this stupid class. 100% serious. Amber wanted to start taking it this week, and I was like, no, it's an amazing introduction. Let's wait one more week. (laughs) Honest to goodness, it's so ironic that we are too busy to take a class to teach us how not to be so busy. It just, it blows my mind and it seems so weird and wrong and and ironic. The truth is though, you've got irony in your own life when it comes to your schedule and your calendar, don't you? You do. You are busy just like I'm busy. You are on the go every single hour of the day, it seems like. You don't have the rest that you need. You want some more margin. You'd like some more free time and you don't have any of it. Now, the interesting thing and the ironic part is that God created each one of us to live out certain rhythms and habits in our lives so that we don't have to feel exhausted and overworked and overextended every single day. But again, we look at it and we're like, wow, I'm too busy to do something like pray. Who's got time for that? Seriously? I'm too busy to be active in a church. Come on, seriously. Like I've got so much stuff going on. There's no way I could work that into my schedule. I'm too busy to rest when rest is exactly what we need. The irony extends in every direction and through all of our lives, the things that we should be doing so that we are not exhausted and beat down and overwhelmed by life are the exact things that we say, oh, I just don't have time to do. 
As we've said uh, in this series, we started last week, you're on the second week, don't freak out, you haven't missed a lot, you're going to be able to jump right in. What we've said is we are too busy not to do these things, these habits, these disciplines, these ways of living that God has laid out for each of us, we're too busy not to do them. In fact, it is precisely because our schedules are so ridiculously hectic that we need to intentionally make time for these sorts of rhythms and spiritual practices that have the power to transform your family and your life, okay? So today, last week we talked about the fact that we're too busy not to pray. Today we're going to talk about the fact that we are too busy not to rest. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to shut off the lights in the theater, and I'm going to give you 30 minutes to catch a nap, you guys. It is going to be glorious. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that because I'm mean. No, the reason why, the reason I'm not going to do that is because you've lived the past umpteen years thinking that what you need is more time to close your eyes that what I need is just a little more free space. And in reality, it hasn't given you what you're looking for. You don't need 30 minutes of uninterrupted time. You need a total overhaul of the way you live your week. You need to transform the way you approach your scheduling and your calendar. And until you do that, it does not matter how many naps you take. You'll feel slightly better. I don't know, some people feel worse after naps. Maybe you're one of those people. But it might give you some temporary relief. But until you start to change the rhythms that you live by, you're not going to experience the rest, the happiness, the joy, the energy level that we were created to live. So this morning, we're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter number one, like the very beginning of the Bible. We're going to read a few verses from there and then from one or two other passages in the scripture. And this is like so critical. I hope that you'll latch on to this. I hope you'll see some things that will change the way you approach this week and the week after and on and on it goes. So in Genesis chapter number one, we're going to start reading in verse 31. And I want to say before we dive into this passage that some of you are here and you're like, honestly, I don't even know why I'm here. Somebody invited me and they said it was a party and they promised to buy me lunch afterwards and so I showed up. But you come to this with a very skeptical bent. You would not say you're a follower of Jesus. You're like, I don't believe the Bible dance. So you're about to open this up and you're going to read from me, read to me from Genesis 1, like one of the passages in the Bible that you have the most issue with. I understand all of that. Let me just encourage you to lower the defenses just for a few minutes. This isn't like, as we go through this, you're not going to have to walk out of here believing Genesis 1 is literally true. I'm not going to turn you into a Bible thumper, you know, in the next 30 minutes or anything. Like, let me just show you a couple of principles. And if you are overextended, overworked, completely exhausted, I think you can find some answers here to that particular trouble that you're facing. In Genesis chapter number 1, we'll start reading here in verse 31. The scripture says this, Then God looked over all that he had made, and he saw that it was very good. So, of course, if you're familiar with the scripture, in Genesis 1, God goes through what the Bible calls six days of creation. And each day he creates something new. He culminates his creation with people, me and you. And then the Bible says that when God looked over all that he made, it was very good. We're going to come back to that phrase, very good, a little later in the message. The Bible says, and evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. Now, chapter two, verse one says, so the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. It was done, finished. And on the seventh day, 
God had finished his work of creation, so he rested. Now let's pause here for just a sec. We're going to work through a couple more verses, but I want to pause here because I don't want you to get the wrong idea in this. When you read through and it says God was working and then he needed a break, he rested. I don't want you to get the wrong idea and think that he was like exhausted, you know? He was pooped after all of his creation. He's like, whoo, making these galaxies is hard work. Somebody bring me a lemonade. No, that's not what's going on here at all. When it says rest, it doesn't mean like God flopped over on the couch and caught his breath. What it means is God ceased from his work. He stopped what he was doing so that he could do something else. In this case, nothing, to rest. It was a choice that God made. He chose to stop even though he could have kept going. God could have created for seven days, eight days, 10 years, a billion years. He could have created for as long as he wanted to because he doesn't get fatigued like we do. And yet, at the end of six days, God stopped when he could have kept going. Let me give you this principle. And you need this. You need to apply this to your own life. God left margin between what he could do and what he did do. God left margin between what he could do and what he did do. He didn't keep going until he had no room left, until there was nothing left in the tank, until his spouse, until his kids, until his boss had just run him into the ground. He left margin between what he did do and what he could do. We're gonna come back to that in just a little while. So let's look at the next verse here. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day, the Bible says, and he declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation. Now, there is a couple of words in here that might kind of like, I don't know, they might throw you a bit. You're like, we don't talk about blessed or blessed too much, and we don't talk about holy very much. So let me just briefly explain what those words mean so you understand why this seventh day is so important. The word holy, it says he took the seventh day and he made it holy. The word holy simply means set apart. That's what it literally means, set apart. It is different from. Okay? So when we talk about God being holy, we mean he is in some way that is bigger than our minds can comprehend. He is set apart from us. He is different from us. He is without the sin that fouls up my life so much. God is holy because he is set apart. He's different. He is on his, uh, like, uh, he is unique in, in that sense. And so when he says here in chapter number one that God takes the first day and he makes it holy, he sets it aside. He consecrates it so that the seventh day, which we'll see later in the scripture, is often called a Sabbath day, a rest day day. He sets it up so that this rest day is fundamentally different than the other six days. There is something special about this day that we are supposed to recognize and uphold. It is set apart. Then it says that it's blessed. That word blessed, it means happy. That's all it means. It's a fancy church word for happy. And so it says in Genesis 1, God created this rhythm for you and I to live, whereby we would work six days a week and then unplug for one special day. 
that we would take our hands off, take our foot off the gas pedal. We would allow ourselves some breathing room and some margin instead of push, 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 go, go, go all the time. And he promises that if you follow this rhythm, this work for six days and then take a day off, If you follow that rhythm faithfully, you will be blessed. You will be happy in a way that you will not be if you fail to keep the seventh holy or set apart or differentiated from Monday through Sunday or Saturday or whatever it is, whatever day you're observing for your rest day, okay? So this is a big passage. This rhythm of rest that God has created is something that you and I are supposed to live by each and every day day. It has the potential to bring out true happiness in us every single day. Let's go on to the next slide for me. Thanks so much. The problem is that you and I are very unlike God, and we're very bad at following this rhythm that God has for us. We are go, go, go all the time, try to keep up with the Joneses, trying to validate and justify ourselves by what we have, by who we know, by which house we live in, by what our title is on our business cards. Like we are constantly pushing for more and more and more because we somehow have come to believe that our value and our worth is determined by those things. And so we're really bad at following this work-rest rhythm that God has set aside. My guess is this week, you have not really observed a day of rest, have you? My guess is you're exhausted this morning. You got so excited when I said we were going to shut off the lights and you were going to get to rest for a bit. You're like, finally. Hey, let me ask you this. Did you get an email from work in the past day or two? Yeah, I bet you did. I got a couple of them. Did did you like go on vacation this summer? And you're like, geez, I need a vacation from the vacations. I come back more tired than I left. I don't even understand how it happens. It's supposed to make me feel better. And it doesn't. Are you on call? You're like, yeah, technically it's my day off, but I'm on call right now. So I could at any moment have to spring into action and go to work on what's supposed to be my Sabbath day, my rest day. Now, look, I get it. I understand some of you are in seasons of life where you have to push, 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 push. I get that. There's nothing wrong with that. If you are on call, I'm not telling you quit your job or anything silly like that. What I am saying is if you live out that kind of rhythm for decade after decade, you will die in the process. You will miss out on a blessedness, a happiness that God has designed you to walk in because you have failed to consecrate, set aside, make holy one day of good spiritual rest for your soul, for your body, for your family. Here's what I've noticed, and this is true of me. I bet it's probably true of you. On our days off, we don't stop work. We just change work. On our days off, we don't go in and work at the computer. We don't go in and like, you know, hang drywall, but we stay at home and we do the lawn or we stay at home and we've got to write a million emails or we've got to balance the books or whatever it is. It's like, we don't stop work. We just change work. And then we go through a, a few weeks, a few months, even a couple of years like that. And you're like, why am I so tired? I don't understand why I'm so exhausted. It's because you never stopped working. You didn't go to work, but you continued to work seven days a week. Some of you are working 18 hours a day between your job and your home and all of those things. And it is just no surprise at all that we are so run down, 
that we feel nothing left to give. And then we're like, seriously, God wants me to pray. He wants me to get involved in church. He wants me to read the Bible and be generous. Who's got time for that? Right? And it's because we failed to live according to this work and rest rhythm. Now, here's the thing. You're not alone. I'm in the same boat as you are. I'm a pastor and I'm not any better at this. In some ways, I feel more pressure because I'm like, geez, I'm doing like God's work here, you know? And so if I don't go, 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 and the church doesn't succeed, then that reflects poorly on God. So I better get this thing going. And I feel this pressure. You may feel pressure from different external voices and sources. I don't know what it is, but you're not alone. And the cool thing is we're not alone either. When you read from Genesis on through the first few books of the Bible, you know what you find out? God sets this rhythm up where we work for six days, then we take a day off, this constant cycle, this habit of work and rest. When you read the first couple books of the Bible, nobody follows it. Isn't that crazy? We don't have any records of Adam and Eve or Abraham or Joseph or any of these early stories that are told in the Bible. There are no records of them observing a Sabbath day, a rest day. It's like from the get-go, From the earliest parts of our history, we have been terrible at balancing work and life. Our ancestors were awful, so let's blame them. We just learned it from the people who came before us, right? So here's the thing. Because people don't do this, because we don't follow this work life, uh, work uh, rest rhythm, God eventually had to take it from like a suggestion and an example that we should follow, and he had to make it a command. Like it was the only way that we were actually going to make any effort whatsoever. And so he had to say, okay, dum-dums, I tried to tell you guys this was going to be good for your soul. Because you're not able to follow it just thinking it's going to be good, then I'm going to go ahead and make it a law. We're going to make it a rule. Everybody is going to have a day of rest, which I'm going to be honest, I'm not like real big on the government making laws, but if they're going to make a law, like one that says I get a day off is not too bad. And so God makes this law. In fact, it is so important to God that this idea that everybody should have a day of rest became number four on his list of the 10 commandments. Did you know that? Number four on the big 10 is you will have a day of rest and keep it holy. Whoa, let me show you. In Deuteronomy chapter number five, this is one of the places the Ten Commandments are recorded, the other one's in the book of Exodus. I'm gonna read this one for you. The scripture says in verse number 12 that this is the command. This is what God is saying to his people, to you and to I. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Sabbath day means rest, okay? Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each work for each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. If you jump down to verse number 15, the scripture says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and his powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. Now, obviously, he's talking to a specific group of people. They were called the Israelites, the ancient Jewish nation. And there was a time where they were actually taken as slaves in ancient Egypt, okay? If you've ever seen the Prince of Egypt, if you've read the book of Exodus, if you saw the Exodus movie that came out a couple years ago, you might be familiar with that story. They were slaves. They were forced to work without a break. There was no margin. There was no ability to say, whew, I'm beat. I'm going to take the day off. No way. They get a whip to the back. That is not going to be allowed. It's not going to happen. And so God takes 
in his Ten Commandments and leaves space for one of it to be a day of rest. Do you want to know what that tells us? That according to God, okay, a society that encourages overworking is just as dehumanizing and unethical as a society that would encourage stealing or adultery or even killing some of the other Ten Commandments. We think, yeah, rest would be nice. It'd be cool if I could have some extra time. I'd probably be a happier mom, or I'd probably be a less grumpy boss, you know? But in truth, to God, this is a huge deal. This is fundamental to what it means to be a happy, spiritually healthy follower of Jesus. He takes it seriously. So should we. Let me point out something else from that passage. In this, in this area, God links rest, Sabbath, rest, the day off. He links that to freedom from slavery. You see that? He says, the reason I want you guys to enjoy a day off is because once you were slaves and then God set you free. Now, that's literally true for the people in the book of Exodus, right? I told you, they were slaves in Egypt. But if we're going to be real honest... That applies to me and to you as well, doesn't it? Although we would never describe ourselves as slaves, I would never say, oh, I'm a slave. In truth, many of us are living as slaves to our schedule, to a boss who has no sense of boundaries whatsoever, to our parents' expectations, to what we think our kids need in order to grow up happy and healthy and well-rounded. We are slaves to those external voices. And as much as we might hate to admit it, they dictate what we put into our schedule every single day, week, month, and year. Look, there are all these pressures and you're working to make all of them happy, these voices, to silence them, to make yourself feel good so that you're justified and you're keeping up with the neighbors and your parents are happy, and on and on and on it goes, right? We're all doing that. But the problem is our, our calendar is a symptom of a deeper issue, that we think our value is tied to those things, that we have to rise up to these pressures in order for our lives to be happy or fulfilled or to find meaning. But if you're living that kind of life, can we just call it for what it is? It is a form of self-chosen slavery. If you're not in control, that means somebody else is, and you're a slave to whatever controls you. If it's your boss, it's your boss. If it's your wife, it's your wife. Woo, let's move on. If it's your parents, it's your parents. If there is something that controls you, you're a slave to that thing. That means too many of us are living in slavery to masters we can never satisfy. Too many of us are trying to appease voices that don't have our best interest in mind. This is why God ties rest to freed slaves. What's the one thing a slave would want more than anything else? A break. They would want some rest. They would want freedom from the tyranny of the calendar. That's what they would want. And God says, good news. I'm going to set a new rhythm that is going to give that to you every single 
week. How stupid would it be for a freed slave to go back into their slavery where they work seven days a week and 24 hours a day and 31 days a month and 365 and 366 and on and on it goes. Like it would just be nuts. And yet that's exactly what the Israelites did if you read further in this passage. And that's exactly what we do every single day. God gives us rest. That's what he offers to you. Because in a culture like theirs, in a culture like ours, that demands ever-growing numbers of hours in your schedule, rest becomes a revolutionary act. It is an act of revolution for a slave to say, nope, I'm taking a day off. I need a break. I got to unwind. I got to decompress. I'm not going to make it if I don't. It would be an act of revolution. For these guys to say, you know what? I'm not a cog in Pharaoh's brick-making machine. I'm more than that. My identity doesn't come from what I produce. It comes from within. It's intrinsic. It is built into me because I am an image bearer of God. I am his beloved son. You're his beloved daughter. And so for the Israelites to stand up and say, no, Egypt can work seven days a week if they want to. They can break their people in the process. Even if it means that we don't get ahead as much as they do, we're going to take a day off because we know what it's like to work as slaves and we believe in the long run we'll be a better society for it. Can I tell you, if you choose not to work 65 hours a week, you might not make vice president at your company. It might happen. But if it saves your marriage, that's probably a good trade-off. If your kids don't get to do everything else that the ladies next door, their kids get to do, who cares? If they grow up and they understand how to live out this rhythm that God has set for them, they will be better off. We've got to quit trading the freedom that God offers to us through rest and substituting it for more slavery. It's insane. And it's no surprise that it leads us to feel the way that we do. You were not created to live as a slave to your calendar to your parental expectations, to, you know, your boss or your office culture. You certainly were not created to live as a slave to your sins. You were created for freedom. The scripture says it is for the sake of freedom that you have been set free. Now, here's the cool thing, you guys. It gets even better. I mean, like, if you're like, oh, cool, this is great. No, it gets way better than this because... When you continue to read through the scripture, what you find is that God actually ties this idea of rest into our relationship with him. It does. If you go to the book of Hebrews, chapter number four, the Bible links back to Genesis chapter number one, and it talks about this day of Sabbath rest. It talks about this work rest rhythm that we're supposed to live according to. And if you go into Hebrews chapter number four, it talks about how this relates to our relationship with God. Listen to what the scripture says here. Hebrews chapter number four, and we'll start reading verse number nine. It says, so then there is a special rest That is, there is a rest that can do for you something that a nap can't. There is a rest that can do something for you that a vacation cannot. There is a rest that can do something for you that nothing and no one else can. There is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. Still waiting. 
For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as, and here's the link back to Genesis 1, just as God did after creating the world. So it says, let us do our best to enter that rest. I love this because when we talk about how like we live our lives trying to justify ourselves by our actions, we're trying to keep up with the neighbors, we think that like we are defined by our LinkedIn profile, you know, we think that we are defined by what our kids look like or what they accomplish or how many zeros are in our bank account or which part of the neighborhood we live in or if we got a finished basement or an unfinished basement. Like we take our cues from all of these other clues and you and I are, we're just notorious for doing the same thing in our relationship with God. We're like, okay, if I have to keep my parents happy, the way I do that is by like going, 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 doing, 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 doing. The way that I keep my boss happy is to get stuff done. And so it must be the same with God, right? God wants me to work real hard for him. I got to prove myself. I got to justify myself. I better get out there and serve some coffee so I stay on God's good side, you know? We have this tendency to try to work and prove ourselves with God. And yet this passage says that the the rest that we need is not just physical and it's not just emotional. The deepest rest we need is spiritual, that we need to rest in God, that Christianity is a faith wherein you are not justified by the good works you do. You could do all the good works in the world. You could be the biggest volunteer in the city of Calgary and you would not stand justified before God because that's not what God is looking for. God doesn't love you because of what you produce. There are people in your life that love you only for what you produce, not God. He loves you simply because you exist. What? Are you kidding me? I got a friend who belongs to another religion. And his religion says there are these five things that we have to do in order to be justified before God. And I'm like, man, that's a lot of work. You may have some other friends and they've got these eight things that they need to do over here so that they can, you know, attain heaven or nirvana or whatever. And you're like, wow, that's a lot of work. Christianity is fundamentally different from all of those others because it does not require you to work and justify yourself. Instead, it says rest, trust. Give yourself over to your heavenly father who loves you so much that even if you didn't do anything, he'd still care for you. Now, here's the deal. Because we know we're loved, that changes the way we look at the world. Like, I want to go serve. I want to do. I want to labor for the benefit of the people around me and for the sake of God's kingdom because I know that I'm loved whether I do that or not. God sets this rhythm of rest and work. We're terrible at living it out. We live exhausted, defeated lives because of it. And the whole time we think all we need is a few more hours in the day. No, that is not what you need. You need to be redeemed. You need to be brought back to God. You need to be reconciled to your heavenly father. And that's not done based on what you do. It is all based on what he has done for us. So we rest in that. If I stand before God one day, I'm never going to say to him, hey, God, I deserve to go to heaven because I was a pastor. He's going to be like, big deal. I didn't ask you to be a pastor, not to justify yourself. I asked you to rest. I asked you to trust me. That's what we need. That's what you're missing right now. 
a belief that you can rest and there's still a God who's looking out for you. Guess what? I told you if you don't work 65 hours a week, you might not make vice president. You're right. It's also possible that God will honor you for honoring him and boom, promotion time. I don't know. He might not. I'm not telling you that he will, okay? I can't promise you that. But what I can say is that God promises a blessedness, a happiness for people who will choose to rest. All right, let me give you a few like practical things here. Let me give you just three thoughts here. You need these if you want to live out this rhythm of rest, okay? First one, you need to learn to plan for rest. It's ironic because we think, all right, the way you experience rest is to just stop doing everything. No, that's not good enough. That won't work. You'll never get to that point, actually. You'll continue to fill your calendar up just like you always have. Instead, what you need to do is to plan for rest. You've got to carve time out in your schedule and then you have got to guard it with your life in some cases because there are time thieves that are coming all the time that want to take over the rest that God wants you to live in. God, we've proven this in our house like a long time ago. We decided that we were going to take one day off a week and it was going to be our day and we were going to guard it to the best of our ability. So Tuesdays are our days off. We have Sundays. Mondays are like staff meeting and I'm answering all your emails and closing out the week. And then Tuesdays, Amber and I are like, let's be done. Okay. Now we don't guard this day perfectly, but we do our best. You're, you guys, sometimes, some of, some of you sometimes are like, wow, you guys go to the mountains a lot. You're right. Because that's how I rest and relax. Spend time with the wife. Let's work on the marriage or work on me more. And uh, let's go to the mountains and let's get away. Let's unplug. I go to the mountains because I can't get cell signal out there. It's like if I just turn it on airplane mode, I can thumb it back. No big deal. But if I go out there, then what, what choice do I have, right? You have got to carve out this time. And until you do, until you say, look, we are going to take Saturdays off for real spiritual rest or Sundays or Thursdays, whatever day it is, the day doesn't matter. But until you set aside this day, it's not going to happen. Understood? You've got to plan for it. And if you don't plan for rest, you'll never get rest. Second thing, you got to learn to say no. I know, that's a tough one. Everybody wants to say yes, but you have to learn to say no. If you've carved out a period of time in your schedule and that is your rest day, then with very few exceptions, you have to say no to people. Now, Tuesdays are our rest days, but we've also carved out Saturday evenings because like I get up at five o'clock to be here to preach and stuff. And I figure if you're going to give me an hour of your time, then I want to be at my best. And so I can't stay out until 11 o'clock, you know, watching the latest fight or something like that. Um, I got to go home and go to bed. And so I go to sleep at nine o'clock on Saturdays, like I'm 63 or something, right? That's just what I do. Here's the thing. I've had to tell many of you, no, I can't come over on Saturday. I can't come to your dinner. I can't come to your kid's recital. I can't do those things. And it's not because I'm a jerk. It's not because I don't like you. I love you. If you said, hey, Friday night, we're doing this, I'd be there like that. But it's Saturday night and I know I've got to guard that time or I'm going to be a wreck come Sunday morning. So learn to say no. Until you say no, people will continue to take over your schedule. All right. We often ask ourselves when somebody asks us to do something and it's like, oh, that was supposed to be a day off. You know, we'll ask ourselves, do I really want to do this? That's number one. Number two, like, should I go do this? Maybe I don't want to, but I know that I should. And then the third thing we'll ask is like, is there anything else on the calendar? Those are the three things. But listen, there will always be more things that you want to do or things that you should do than there are hours in the day. And so until you learn to guard your time off, you will never have time off. Last thing, 
When it comes to Sabbath rest, man, this is important. Celebrate God's work, not your own. This is where most people get it wrong. So some people take the steps, they guard their time, they go home, they flop on the couch, they watch movies all day. Cool, that's awesome. But what you're really doing in that moment is you're like, buddy, look at this. I have worked hard and I have earned a nice basement suite with a flat screen on the wall and a Netflix subscription. I am gonna enjoy this because I've earned it. You are celebrating yourself and the things that you've accomplished. When true Sabbath rest is about celebrating what God has accomplished. And so you think about the fact, yeah, you worked hard, man. You earned that paycheck for sure. But who gave you a strong back so that you could go out and earn that paycheck? Who ordained it so that you were born in Western Canada and not some third world country? Or who let you escape the third world country and come to a land of opportunity like Canada? You didn't do that. God did that. Uh, Who brought you your family? I mean, you did your part, okay. But like, you know, ultimately, who gave those things to you? Who gave you your salvation? You didn't work to earn that. That rest comes from God. And so when you rest, when you take Saturday off or Sunday off or whatever, then don't look at it as simply like, okay, soul, take it easy because you have stored up many good things for yourself. Instead, say, God, I am able to disconnect and take a break because my identity is found in you and in nothing else. I don't have to make any other voices happy. I only have to please my heavenly father. And he said, I deserve a day off. So take it.